They told me I use my mouth good. So I started a podcast. Kelly Chase of the Workationing Podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts too. Now, as you guys know, I've spoken about digital nomad stuff in the past, and these two ladies are quite an inspiration to me. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Ooh, you go first. Sure. I, I'm Carrie DePhillips. I own the Content Factory, which is a digital uh, marketing agency. We represent a few national brands. We're also active in the crypto and blockchain space and have been for years. Uh, all of my employees work from home. Uh, a dozen people work for the Content Factory. And I teamed up with Kelly a few years ago. And we were like, you know, we can travel all the time. We can take our jobs on the road with us. So why don't we? And like, why don't we make it a full-time thing? So we had gone to Playa del Carmen and workation there for a couple of weeks and just like knocked out some work projects. We also had a similar experience in the Dominican Republic where we stayed for about a week. And again, just like knocked some stuff out while also sitting on a beach. And in uh, January 1st of 2017, we decided to take the show on the road full time and we created the Workationing Podcast. And I guess the, the rest is kind of history. We've been digital nomading ever since. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Awesome, yeah. And the interesting thing about the Content Factory is it's all remote. Like right. All of your employees are remote. And I think that's really awesome. Like I said, it's something I've talked about a lot here. And it saves you so much, I don't know, so many resources. In fact, I was reading uh, this excellent article on the Content Factory, the 500-hour advantage um, that you get from working from home. You have just way more time. So how did you guys, I, I want to go a little bit, before vacationing, what what were you both doing before you got this? What moved you in the direction of wanting to live, you know, nomadically and work and organize your business that way? Well, Kelly and I met before I started the content factory. Actually, I used to work for Kelly's fiance, which is how we originally met. She ditched him and kept me 
(laughs) I stand by that choice. (laughs) And when I started the content factory, that was my next job after working for my next move, rather, after working for Kelly's ex-fiance. And in setting up a business, when you don't have much capital, I started my business with $500 and I put it all into a website and uh, started writing content. My area of expertise is in search engine optimization. So if you Google press release distribution, my website comes up first. If you Google web content writer, or my website comes up first and second, (laughs) depending on what you're looking for. If you Google how to be a bitch, my website ranks number one, which I'm, it's a fun little Easter egg I left on the internet, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's a great article that was written by one of my employees called Do More, Apologize Less, How Bitches Get Ahead in Business. But in being scrappy and not having a lot of capital, or rather, when you don't have a lot of capital, you're forced to become scrappy and come up with uh, ways to reduce costs. The number one cost for me in starting the business would have been having a traditional office. Also, the number one cost for me uh, initially would have been having contractors who worked for me or employees. Uh, contractors tend to be cheaper for employers. We moved over several years ago to where everyone is now like has employee status because the government required that. <laughs> They suggested it, and yeah, it's not—it's not so much of a suggestion, right? So I didn't have an office, but what I realized was, as I started hiring people, hiring contractors to help manage the client loads, when you don't have an office, you can open up your hiring to like talent all over the place. And I was in Pittsburgh at the time, and talent's pretty cheap in Pittsburgh, but it's even cheaper in Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would post jobs on Craigslist in, I don't know, Iowa, I would pick the Midwest, what's popping off in Arkansas, you know, and it's because the cost of living is lower in those states. So you need to pay people, you can pay people less, right? And as I was starting out, I certainly didn't have a lot of money to spare. So that was a way that I was able to find talent at a lower rate that was still able to, you know, get the job done. And after working from home for years, I started traveling a little bit more and working along the way. I would take, you know, a few months out in California if I wanted to. And the the freedom that it provided for me and I saw it was incredible. And I saw how it was providing the same freedom for the people who worked for me as well. And packing up all of your shit into a 10 by 10 storage shed and like, you know, dipping out for a year, it, it, it's, it's next level. That's for sure. As opposed to like having a home base and just traveling around as you go. But I think you and I always shared that interest. I took a different path to this life, but um, I'm also, I was a, I had my own startup before this like a few years ago. And I know that in my own personal career, I've always been moving towards, I've always prioritized greater levels of freedom and autonomy over maybe like making more money or that's always been my, my number one thing. And so for me, I think it's been a gradual progression towards moving towards entrepreneurship, which is also kind of a political move for me. I really believe in female entrepreneurship in particular. I feel like it's the best way for women to seize control and to let like just their own lives take the steering wheel. And you know, I don't have to, if, if I'm working for myself or working for another woman, I don't really have to worry about that glass ceiling, you know? And so uh, that's been something I've been moving towards for a long time. And this was just sort of a natural progression of that, I think. Yeah. I, when you think about working from home for, for women in particular, I, I tallied it up. And ladies, I don't know how, I've got a challenging hair texture. So it takes me like an hour and a half to, you know, get in the shower, blow dry my hair, 
put on makeup, go find an outfit that's office appropriate and mm-hmm. put that on, you know, which is nowhere near as comfortable as my yoga pants, uh-uh. by the way. <laughs> and, and then commute to an office downtown and back. It, it was 500 hours a year of unpaid labor for me. And for the ladies who, or people who take a little longer to get ready, it's even more. If your commute is longer, it's even more. And 500 hours is a lot of time. And what can you do with that time when you give yourself that time back? For me, it's work more. <laughs> right. It also gives me the ability to wake up and get right to work, which I don't mind doing. In fact, I prefer it. And then, you know, I... I if I want to take a break in the afternoon for a few hours, I can go do that. Uh, it, it's just a more convenient way to live. Mm-hmm. If you have the self-discipline also- to consistently meet your deadlines and do good work. There's a lot of self-discipline involved with working from home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What were some things that helped you develop that self-discipline? Uh, the fear of being poor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is highly motivating. No, what I love, and I'm going to link to a bunch of these articles in the show notes. What I love is you really break down just the sheer numbers of how much time you're saving and how much bullshit you're avoiding mm-hmm. because the whole having to get prepared and that's a whole, that could be a whole other topic in itself, you know, like having to, especially women, it takes them much longer and you're expected to look a certain way. A guy can just like, you know, I'm throwing whatever. Right. Before a couple minutes but we're expected to look a certain way and studies have shown you know you you get more respect from colleagues or you know people you might want to partner with in a business or whatever if you're wearing a little bit of makeup if you're looking somewhat you know some form of like mainstream presentable right but it, it always frustrated me because I was like, look, I want to be judged by the quality of the work that I'm putting out. And I exactly. can do that whether I'm in my sweatpants or you right. know, in business casual. And then also the time you save commuting and stuff too. I mean, it really sitting in rush hour traffic. I mean, it's taking away hours of your life with stress and everything too that you're not even getting paid for. Right. So yeah. cutting all that out increases productivity. You get way more time. And yeah, like you said earlier, selecting from uh, a more diverse you know, pool of talent mm-hmm. and people from different states even because right. yeah, you're not going to necessarily want to hire people maybe in New York or California because of regulations, right. things like that. But you can still provide them a very high quality of living too, you know, wherever they're at. So. Yeah. Something Carrie and I talk about a lot is how to get, we notice that a lot of people feel stuck. That's a lot of the feedback that we get from the podcast and from, you know, people in our Facebook groups and that sort of thing. And people are always trying to figure out how to maneuver, you know, how do I, how do I get out of this tough situation? And so you have to look at is what are the things that are keeping you stuck? And if you're giving away over 500 hours of your time each year that you're not getting paid for, you know, that's probably keeping you stuck because what could you be doing with that time? And, you know, that's something that we talk about all the time. And when people are able to take control of their lives, like how much of your decision-making is being based upon your circumstances and how much of your decision-making is being based upon what you actually want to do. And so if you can find ways to free up your time, to free up your money, to free up your energy so that then you can focus it on the things that you actually want to do, suddenly you have a lot more freedom. And to me, that's always been something I prioritized. Yeah, same here. And it's something I always struggled with, too, uh, having various jobs because I am a very hard worker. And, you know, I found myself like, you know, going above and beyond, but still just struggling 
so much and it's like you're paying exorbitant rents depending on where you are right you know like I've, I've lived in places like california where like much of your paycheck is going to rent and it's basically a glorified storage unit mm-hmm. so i wasn't there i mean sometimes maybe i could work from home or different things but if i had to commute to a downtown office and stuff it's like here's this very expensive storage unit i don't even really get to enjoy it that much anyway and i've always loved traveling too um one of the biggest regrets people have when they're close to death is you you know, all the things that they didn't get to do. It's like, oh, I wish I could have done more. And I, my life has just been so weird and interesting. I've had to like really think about these things a lot and really evaluate, like, do I want to be stuck? Do I want to be stuck in, a, in one place for the rest of my life? And it's like, no, I don't want to have any regrets. Like, I want to be able to get out into the world and see more of the world. And you can do that in a really affordable way, too. I think a lot of people look at these travel blogs or these people who work remotely and you know it looks really it's really glorified it's like oh they're just on vacation all the time and it's not necessarily the case it's not necessarily that they're spending that much more money than they would be on like rent and you know commuting and lunches and right. you know all you know all these other things if you just kind of crunch the numbers on it you can live on something like forty thousand dollars a year and yeah travel the world which kelly did actually and in in many cases the cities that we were in medellin colombia in particular you can live like a baller we were catch us in the penthouse suite yeah. on the top floor the rooftop pool is right above that. And it's I was doing that. Years. And I was doing that for less money than I was paying for my not that great apartment in Akron, Ohio, which every year when they do, they roll out studies of the most like affordable cities in the United States, it's always in the top five. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's like a very affordable place to live. And for even less than that, I've got the penthouse suite. In Columbia, I was able to go to, what did we do, a do- like a dozen different countries last year. Yeah. yeah, I knocked a bunch of items off of my bucket list. And I was doing all of that for Akron for the same amount of money that I was living in Rust Belt City, <laughs> you know, and, and it's crazy. It's just, but it's about prioritization because I, I had to get rid of my apartment. I had to get rid of my car. I got rid of all of my stuff. I moved into an international carry-on bag, but then suddenly my, my resources were freed up. And so I think a lot of times when people feel stuck in the, like, I can't travel, I can't do this stuff, it's because their resources are tied up in other things. And it's just about, it's not an easy reprioritization. That's not an easy or a fun process. It took me a few months and a lot of tears to make that happen. But as soon as I did, what I realized was that all of these things that we feel like we necessarily have to have to be like a valid and successful adult you know, like a stable address and, and, you know, a car and all of these things, they were holding me back and keeping me stuck. And it turns out I didn't need those things anyway. No, and don't miss them. Not at car. all. Yeah. yeah. I, that's not true. I do miss my car. I, I have a car that I love very much. It's a convertible and it's sporty and nice. I, I do miss, <laughs> I do miss Zoe. Uh, but like basically anybody can become a digital nomad. Honestly, it, it's just about being able to provide value from your internet box, you know? So are you a writer? Then learn SEO because you're going to be able to make so much money with SEO content. There are tons of companies hiring for it. You can find gigs. There are hundreds of jobs that you can go through and in short order, find enough work to support yourself. Are you a programmer? Same thing. Ditto coders. Uh, Are you into social media marketing? Well, there are companies who look for that and you can do that from anywhere. As long as you can provide value and you know how to provide value and ROI and you can consistently do so 
with the skills that you have, you can consistently source clients or, you know, even work for one company remotely and untether your life in a way that enables you to do whatever the hell you want to do, you know? Yeah. And I found that the more stuff that I get rid of, the more I simplify my life, the happier I really am. And mm-hmm. the more I realize it's like, I never really needed all this stuff. Like I had a storage unit for a long time and I left it for almost, huh over a year, I guess. And when I got back to it, I was like, I didn't really need any of this stuff. We had the exact same experience. (laughs) We had the exact same experience because the first year we did vacationing, we put all of our stuff into, we each had individual 10 by 10 storage units. Mine was in New Hampshire. Uh Yeah. Uh, Kelly's was in Ohio. And we were just like, well, we, we can't get rid of all of this stuff. You know, it's like, I need it. I've collected treasures. Yeah. (laughs) Over the years, I need it. You know, but as we traveled the world, and as Kelly mentioned, we did it all out of an international carry-on bag. So it's like minimalism to the max. And that was with carrying a podcast rig, too. So there was, we had like four outfits. We did, yeah. And it turns out you don't need more than that. You really don't. It's fine, actually. And I've never been so happy in my life as I was last year when we started living as intentionally as possible. And for us, that meant... Well, we want to travel and we can travel. So we're the only thing holding us back from doing what we actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And then being focused on knocking out items from our bucket list. That really adds a lot of joy to your life. And it makes you feel like you're making progress on a you know personal front. If your bucket list includes some professional goals, and that's great too. But consistently making progress has been easier for me now that I live this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like I have a lot more control and power. And I also have Carrie and I, a bond that we share is that we both lost a parent in our early 20s to cancer. And for both of us, we felt and we knew that those parents had uh, real dreams of, of travel and of making something different of their lives and that they had put that off because they were raising kids and having a career and doing the whole thing that, you know, people do. And I was actually with my dad when he got the call that his cancer was terminal and we were alone. And, and I, my dad was one of those, you know, tough dads, doesn't cry kind of things. And I rarely in my life had ever seen my dad cry. And he, and I just looked at him and I didn't know what to say. And I was like, you know, well, what do you want to do? Is there somewhere you want to go? And he just broke down crying in a way I'd never seen him cry before. And he said, everywhere I've never been. And so like I carried that with me and I always had this sense that in this, this real like existential dread that I could die really any day and that there would be this whole list of things that I had never gotten to do. And that dread eased significantly (laughs) after a year of like traveling the world with my best friend. We had a blast and a half. We almost died a few times. <laughs> but every time I did it, I would, you know, I'd call home to my mom and I'd tell her some terrible thing that we did that didn't go well and we might have died. And she was like, oh, shouldn't you come home? And I'm like, no, just know that I would say to my family and friends, I was just like, just know that if something happens to me out here, you know, God forbid, but like, know that I was, I don't, I don't regret it. You know, like know that because like for the first time in my life, I felt like I was living my life. And so like if I had died in the midst of that, I would have felt a satisfaction that I wouldn't have felt otherwise. Yeah, no, that really resonates with me because, yeah, we're all going to die. I've done podcasts about this and you could die. The worst thing that could happen in any any given situation, any day, you Mm -hmm. could die. Right. You want to die having not done anything that you wanted to do, have not seen what else in the world is out there, have not had like a bunch of interesting experiences. And I'm very grateful for 
you know, the, the opportunities that I've had to travel and experience new things. And yeah, sometimes it's uncomfortable and weird. And I've had some very weird things happen in my life, <laughs> but it's like, I'm just way happier that I took that adventure, that I, I went out there and did the scary thing that, right. of like, you know, untethering myself from things and like moving away from my hometown and just being like, you know, what else is out there? So yeah, I don't want to live with any kind of regrets. And it's not as hard as people might think, you know, I mean, it's, it takes some commitment, it takes some planning. Um, Absolutely. It takes focus on realizing, well, what the fuck do you want to do in the first place? Do you know what I mean? And, and what active steps are you taking to get yourself from where you are now to where you want to be? And like, be honest with yourself. How mu- how much progress have you made on that front in the last six months? You know, if the answer to that is zero, then maybe you need to reevaluate your priorities and get yourself on a plan that's going to get you where you want to be. It took years for me to build up the content factory to the point where I felt comfortable being like, all right, I know this sounds weird, employees and clients, <laughs> but I'm going to go dip out and you can catch me in Africa. You can catch me over in Acapulco, but not for very long. Never going back there again. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend that joint, you know, <laughs> but then right after that, I was in Vegas in Prague and it, it was kind of weird for clients, but they knew my work. They knew my employees work. The work hasn't suffered since. And so it's just kind of a comfortable thing now. Nobody's like real sketched out about it, but it is possible to to transition, even if you're working at a job now that could largely be digital or should mostly be digital. Like how many meetings could have been an email? All you know, just about (laughs) just about all the meetings. And I I know that it does get criticized. I've read some very critical articles about like, oh, well, you're just not getting the same experiences like in the creative processes, collaborating with your team in person and things like that. And people are like, oh, this is why we still need offices. And this is why we still need to, you know, have in-person meetings. And while there's some value to that kind of in-person collaborative experience, I think more and more tools are coming out that make that easier and can be done, you know, from other, I mean, just being able to do something like that remotely, like Skyping into something instead of like having an office that you're renting downtown that's going to be super expensive and having your employees there every day. And like most of the time, you're not necessarily collaborating. Like you're not in the office collaborating all the time. You're all doing your individual jobs. And it's like, so you're like sitting in, you know, maybe silence or something working all on your own thing. You know, why does that even need to be, why can't you just do that from home? Right. And how much resentment gets built up? over like all those commutes. Do you know what I mean? Because I would be pissed. There's nothing There's nothing more infuriating for me than having to spend an hour and a half getting ready to do a job that I'm already ready to do. Exactly. Actually. And then, you know, the commute is very stressful. I used to have to pay hundreds of dollars just for the privilege of parking my car downtown every month. Right. You know, which is an added expense plus all the gas and whatnot. And then you get to the office and there's an unnecessary meeting because Bob really wants to have the four for an hour, you know, and it's just like, God, this is not a great way to live. When I was working in advertising, I just like I, I got so resentful over the fact that I was forced to do something that I could have done anywhere, but I had to do it in this office in front of these people who, you know, sexually harassed me at times, who 
just annoyed me in general sometimes, you know? And Who's w- cooking the tuna? Who's eating exactly. the tuna? Like, please <laughs> exactly. don't. But when your whole team works from home, there there's a lot less, like, resentment and interpersonal conflict as opposed to, like, anything that I've ever seen in any kind of office environment. And I've worked in a few of them. Right. And I actually just question, in general, the idea that you really need to have the team all together to collaborate in person. Because I've never found that to be a cert- uh, very efficient method to do anything. I'm usually banging my head against the wall by the end of it. And so is everyone else. And I mean, between the two of us, Carrie has the content factory, Carrie and I together have vocationing and we're growing two businesses while traveling, while moving around, while we have remote teams that we work with for both of that, for both of those businesses. And we've got clients all over the world and we've got customers all over the world. We're doing actual like live client work. We're also creating, you know, digital products and services that we're collaborating with other people to create. And all of this we're doing without ever having to have an in-person meeting. And so I think it's so much more possible than people think it is. It's this, people get stuck in these ideas that like, this is the way it's always been done and therefore it should be done this way. And, you know, I think it's always good to question those things. And from what I have found, I I just don't, I don't find a lot of that to be valid. Mm -hmm. And especially with something like digital marketing, you need that kind of like creative inspiration that kind of will come up spontaneously. You can't force it into a meeting. You can't like be like, we're going to meet once a week and everybody needs to be creative at this time. Like you almost can't schedule that out. Like you almost need the kind of flexibility to come up with those ideas on your own. And I find that that's probably more useful in a lot of ways to be able to collaborate in that way. Like, Oh, here's an idea that I just came up with instead of like racking yourself to be like, okay, I have to fit everything into this specific time frame because of how it's blocked off. And I think the tide is kind of turning with some of this stuff too, because now people are more critical of like open office plans and mm-hmm. things like that. And they're realizing the value of being able to simplify your life or, you know, just also being able to measure your employees work by just metrics you know right like, I love that so much I love that so not, much right? yeah did you meet your deadline what was the quality of that work did you follow the instructions are the arrows green and pointing upward in the client reports yes on all four fronts and we're good man you know mm-hmm. yeah do what you want in yeah. your free time do what you want in your free time mm-hmm. as long as you get the work done I don't care if you work at midnight you know, it, right. it doesn't matter. You can really, and my employees are able to optimize their work lives. And again, as long as you're hitting those deadlines, it's all good. And people use it in all different ways. What we see between our two teams is we have people who are, you know, going on tour with their band. We have people who are stay-at-home moms who now they don't have to pay that giant childcare bill because for so many, what I see with so many of my friends who are having kids is now they're in this weird catch-22 where they need to go back to work so that they can support this family that they're growing. But the amount of money that they make is basically wiped out by the childcare bill that they have to have because they're going to work. And suddenly that makes it a lot more, more flexible you know, for stay-at-home moms and single moms and you know, people who need to have a more flexible schedule for their families. Yeah, I think it's especially good for women. And you don't have to do the digital nomad thing. Like, I think no. you know, we're Mm-mm. unique in that sense that we like to travel a lot, but some people don't. Right. But you, maybe you, you're a homebody. Like, maybe that's where you're most productive, and you should have that freedom to be able to work from home. And, uh, yeah, you have a great article about that, too. Um, and just it's, it's just so much better for women. I love this one, Do More, Apologize Less. How bitches get ahead in business. And I I think that demand, uh, you mentioned mothers, you know, I think that's something mothers 
you know, could be demanding more or should be, could be whatever. Right. I think that it's really empowering or for, I mean, any, you know. Well, people with chronic illnesses. Yes. We've we've got a couple of uh, people on staff who have chronic illnesses and, you know, sometimes they can't leave the house for a while for whatever reason, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, they can still provide value. They can still make an income. They can still... And they can make it to their doctor's appointments when they need to. They can take care of themselves in the way they need to. Because if you're dealing with a chronic illness, you know, you can be like a really creative, talented, smart person who has so much to offer, but it's like really difficult to then make your life fit into this nine to five box. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, I mean, it's empowering for a lot of people who otherwise, you know, they're just not built for the corporate environment. Right. And so much of that environment is based, I mean, it is also based on metrics and like how do we increase productivity? And it's in the past, it's been like, oh, well, let's stifle people's freedom as much as possible and just force them to work, you know, as much as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of counterproductive because if you free people's resources and time up, they are more productive because they're happier, you know, or, you know, they're able to take care of themselves more instead of having that whole stressful commute and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of go in. I I love this article so much. The boss bitch manifesto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We should give a shout out to our dear friend and former coworker, Elena Frankenberry, who wrote that post. And it's been a team collaboration effort and it's one of my favorite pieces of content on the content factory's website it's germane to a whole lot of nothing as it pertains to client work, but it was just like very satisfying to write that post. And it's been shared a bunch of times. It's like I said, it now ranks number one for how to be a bitch, which is your legacy. It is my legacy. She's like, put that on my tombstone. <laughs> it's great. No, no, it is great. I mean, I've gotten that comment before, you know, I've been told that, you know, I'm not a team player and things like that. And it's just like, I don't know, like women have, you're treated differently in the workplace. Yes, and you're judged by different metrics. You're judged by totally different metrics. You're not judged by just the work you do. No. And that's been a problem my whole life. It's like, I just want to be judged by the work I'm putting out. But instead, there's all these other factors. I was reading this article about uh, women who work in law attorneys and just like their case could be made or broken by the outfit they're wearing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's probably not going to change. That field is, you know, probably going to be based on appearance, at least for a while, until society progresses and all that. But this article goes over a lot of things that I had come across, I guess, in the past few years, just as far as becoming more assertive in the life that I want to lead and, you know, not apologizing so much, something that women are taught to do a lot, just like apologize for everything, apologize for nothing, you know? Right, right. I, are you genuinely sorry? Do you have something to genuinely be sorry about? Did you about? do something wrong? Right. Or did you make someone uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Or are you following up because you haven't heard back from that asshole in a week and they said that they were going to get whatever in to you a week ago? Sorry, just following up on this. No, 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 no. No, where is it? Yeah, and yeah. just following up on this. Like, no, you told me you were going to have this. So, like, where is it? Mm-hmm. it you know, update on this, please? Question mark is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can I get an update on this? Because you said you were going to get it to me several days ago. Donde esta? Yeah. <laughs> I try. I actually really work on number one, not apologizing, and also in my in my work communications, I try to eliminate the word just. Yeah. Because women, especially, are so quick with the like. Hey, I'm just following up, like as though like you're trying to like minimize it and take it. Like I'm just eh. no, I'm following up. I'm not just doing anything. I am specifically and intentionally doing this. 
you know? Yeah, I've cut out so much extra verbiage from my emails and any other correspondence with people. And it's, it saves you a ton of time. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's just, again, more productive. And I had a huge problem with saying, I'm just wondering if, I, you know, can you do this? And you give, like, very specific words, you know, people can kind of cut out. And it does make you, I don't know, I think all women are aware on a conscious and sometimes subconscious level of the different ways you're treated in the office. And I don't know, like, I do think it's always better to err on the side of being considered a bitch. I mean, bitches get shit done. Exactly. (laughs) They do. If you're not being considered a bitch by people in your workspace, probably you're not accomplishing a hell of a lot. And unfortunately, so, so I think women just need to get cozier with that idea. Because at the end of the day, if you are providing value and you are good at your job and those arrows are green and they're pointing up, people are going to tolerate, they're going to think you're a bitch, but they're going to tolerate it. You know what I mean? And if you're in a situation where that's not working, if you're in a situation where you know that you're doing the right work and you know that you are being overlooked or passed over for promotions or not listened to, or, you know, that sort of thing, then, then you need to get out. Because the thing that I think that women don't think about enough is that for me, it's like, I'm done asking, you know what I mean? Like I am, we know that this corporate environment, we, we all know about the glass ceiling. How many think pieces are there in it? Are we leaning in? Are we leaning out? What are we doing? I'm you know what I mean? Fuck out is what right? I'm doing. Yeah. Girl, and don't it, go in that building. Yeah. There's a glass <laughs> yeah, ceiling right? in there. You already knew that. You know what I mean? And so what I think is so important for women is that like, we have to stop asking and entering into these, you know, hierarchies and structures that we know are going to disadvantage us. And if you find yourself in one of those, find a way to get out. Go and work for a woman-owned business. Go and start your own business. But don't put yourself into a system that you know is going to put you at a disadvantage and then wonder why you're at a disadvantage. And, and suck out your soul in the process. Right. Who wants to spend a third of their life in a cubicle farm? Can't, <laughs> no. I can't. No. no one. Why, why, no why one. are you choosing that? Don't choose that. There are other choices. There are other choices. And I think people don't realize that there are other choices. They're taught that you're supposed to think and be a certain way. And like, this is what success is. And this is what, you know, it looks like. And I don't know, there's, especially with the rise of the internet, there's so many other jobs you can do that yet don't require going to an office every day. And regardless because people there's all these other thing pieces about like well you don't want to be too aggressive you want to strike that nice balance between being nice and <laughs> not letting yourself get walked over and it's like that's such bullshit right, right? now i want to kick the most ass possible in, yeah. in all ways do you know what i mean and i don't have to be mean about it in fact i try really hard not to be mean about it but when you're getting dicked over how long are you going to take that before you do you say well not today <laughs> I'm done with this. And how do you say that? And how do you express dissatisfaction with somebody's work? Even if you phrase it nicely, you're still coming across as a bitch. You know? You gotta be a bitch no matter what. You are. And so, like, get cozy with it. Let it go like Elsa and, and move on with your day and just focus on delivering the most excellent value possible. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in business, you got to be a little bitchy. But when men do it, it they're not bitches. They're no. assertive. They're assertive. Yes. They're a maverick. They're mm-hmm. a leader of men. Yes. You know? Exactly. Oh, they're trailblazer. Well, like, yeah, like you look at people like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs that are just like giant fucking assholes, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but everyone's like, oh, that's leadership. And leadership doesn't look the same for us, but I think that's changing in a big way too. And ultimately, whatever kind of business you may lose out on because some person got, you know, their feelings hurt because you're too much of a bitch, it opens up way more doors for you than it closes, I think. And I think that's going to be the general progression. Absolutely. So how many countries have you all traveled to with vocationing uh, over the past? Yes. 14? 14. We're up to 14. 14. 14. Wow. Four different continents. Nice. What have been some of your favorite places so far? I went cage diving with sharks in South Africa, which was pretty badass. That was like a, a bucket list item. I got to look a shark right in its sharky eye. Oh my it God. was very scary, but also very cool. And that was an experience that I'll never forget. Kelly and I swam in the bio bay. Yeah, we swam in a bioluminescent bay in Puerto Rico, which was just easily the most magical experience of my life. If you're not familiar with the concept, there are these basically like unicellular organisms that light up when they're disturbed at all and kind of glow. And they can get trapped in bays where there's, you know, a place where they can kind of get in, but they can't get out. And it makes it so that the water, when if you jump into the water, your splash lights up. And if you pull your hand up out of the water when you're swimming in it, you just, or it looks like they're just stars dripping off of you. We did it on like just like a beautiful full moon in a bay where we were the only people there. And it was like just the most incredible magical experience of of my life and I did that you know on a weekday yeah (laughs) that's amazing and yeah the the flexibility is so great too because I've like you know I'll work on weekends holidays my birthday like whatever I you know (laughs) right there's there's definitely that degree of freedom what are what have you guys encountered because I mean it is easy to kind of paint a rosy picture of things what are maybe some of the struggles you encounter and how have you dealt with like maybe some of the loneliness or whatever that you may experience like going into a new place where maybe you don't have a lot of local connections the loneliness is real and that's something that digital nomads talk about a lot I felt so lucky to be able to do this with Carrie because we're best friends and we 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 share space extraordinarily well it's I've never actually had such a good roommate situation and then you know the stress and everything of traveling all the time and I think that that could be difficult for some people so we had that but also the thing that we found is that when you put yourself out there there are there is this growing nomadic tribe of people who exist on this planet and they're all in these places we they're hot spots you know we ended up in Medellin Colombia which is like a you know huge hot spot and these people are looking for friends. They are out there also lonely. And there's a, there is a kind of connection that you can make with these people. If it comes so much faster and easier than like if you're in your hometown trying to make new friends, because number one, these are people who have been through this like untethering of their life process that you've been through, who've prioritized this and they know what that looks like. These are also people who, I mean, they share your values in terms of, you know, living life to the fullest and living intentionally and trying to get the most out of everything. So there's that. And then there's also just the fact that like, you know, when you're in Colombia or something like that and you make some friends and you, you know, you all don't speak the language super well. And, you know, you didn't really pop a Google on this place and figure <laughs> out that actually it's kind of a little bit dangerous. And you're, you're just dealing with situations that there's, there's some trauma bonding that goes on <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Oh, yeah. But I mean, there are people that we've met and just, you know, known for two weeks and then we've gone our separate ways and then we reconnect somewhere else. And it's the bonds that we form are so deep and so profound. And I know that these are people who are going to be in my life for a long time. So, 
I, I know that it feels like you get to like, you know, your late twenties or your thirties and it's like, how do I even make friends? But I think it's because like when you're in, when you're, when you're working in the normal system and you're, you know, you're going to work every day and you're doing all of that, like, like it is hard because nobody's in that in that mode and in that mindset. So it can be hard to make new friends. But when you're, there is this, we're we're out here and there's more of us than you could possibly imagine. There are so many of us and you see like, so Facebook groups are a great place to connect with other digital nomads. So there's a Facebook group in Medellin for digital nomads. And then there's another one for expats and expats and digital nomads. You know, there's a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram. Uh, the expat and digital nomad community in Amsterdam, where, where we are now, is up and popping. In Chiang Mai, the Facebook group for digital nomads out there is, has over 100,000 people in it. Wow. So there are a lot of digital nomads, and there are more of us hitting these streets each and every day. It's really, I don't want to call it an industry because it... I don't know, maybe. But it's a movement. It is. That we're really dedicated to being a part of. And we want to really help as many people as we can make that leap because it's been the way that the world opens up and the possibilities open up for you when you really take control and you allocate your resources in a way that's going to serve you, not in a way that is the way that was prescribed to you by, you know, society, basically. Mm -hmm. And you start, like, you really take the wheel and do all of that. Life becomes magical. The, The connections and the synchronicities that occur and that you just never even could have imagined it. I never, I have never been a spiritual person. That's never been my deal, but there's Carrie and I both talk about it. She isn't either, but there's something about this experience over the last year and a half that I'm like, you know, maybe there's something because when you open yourself up to it, 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 it's crazy what happens. Yeah. Like the universe or whatever seems to be leading us in a certain direction and like, well, I'll be damned if it isn't great here. You know? (laughs) You follow those road signs and and be true to yourself and what you want to do. And it's incredible that the doors that can be opened, but you got to be knocking on them. Right. Right. No, it's fascinating because yeah, it's like this decentralized worldwide network of people and Mm -hmm. they all just kind of like decided like, no, like I'm going to, I'm going to do things differently and I'm not going to be afraid to like go out there and then it ends up, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're just living more of life and you're still able to survive. This is fine. And you're not, you know, tied down to anything. And you guys offer so many resources for people wanting to try this out because it's a huge leap to get rid of a lot of your possessions or even put them in storage and do this. So what are some things that you guys are working on now with workationing? And like, what are some of the resources that you're providing to people who are interested in this? Well, Kelly, do you want to take that one? Sure. So we have a bunch of different training courses and they're all online. And we have, we have one in particular, uh, we have like a one that's basically just for digital nomads. So like if you already have the skill, like you have a digital skill of some kind that you know how to create ROI for clients. And what your problem is, is that you need to find a remote job. You can go out and find remote work. There are more and more companies who are considering that as an option, but also you can just kind of go out on your own as a freelancer and go out and find this work. And so Carrie actually, a few years ago before she started the content factory was in, as she said, in the ad industry, and she was able to completely replace her income within three months with remote work and then leave that job. And so we've outlined through this process exactly what you need to do. Everything from like, here is the process. Here's where you should look. Here's how to find anybody's email. Here's how to troubleshoot your application process if nobody's answering you. Here's cover letter templates based on cover letters that I have hired people from. 
resume templates, same thing. It works. You know, Mm -hmm. this this is what good looks like. Now modify it for for your information and it's going to be good to go. It's not as difficult as people think. It is about consistently working toward that. So in order for me to find enough freelance work to ditch my pretty high paying job in advertising, I had to apply to more than 20 jobs a day like gigs a day. And I started getting clients one by one and I was able to, you know, get referrals. But it was basically a second job for me until I had enough work to where I could ditch that job I hated so much. Mm -hmm. And it was like a labor of love for me because like this is me climbing out of something I don't want to be in. And if that means that I need to spend some of my time on the weekends applying to remote work, then that's what I'm going to do. And it, it happened a lot faster for me than I thought that it would because also then I was like doing some client work while also keeping my day job. And it took me, like I said, about three months before I was comfortable enough with my workload and I had enough contracts coming in that I could put in my notice and dip out. And that day was one of the best days of my life because I was just so sick of that shit. Yeah. And then the other thing that we have is that we encounter a bunch of people who also come to us and they're like, I really want to do this, but I don't have a remote skill. You know, like they, they're in a more traditional job and they, they don't really have something. So we're, um, we have a SEO training course that we do. We, between the two of us, like we, we really see that as being one of the fastest ways to making real money and like generating real ROI for clients, which means that you can get paid more. So SEO for people who want to be, you know, copywriters or, you know, SEO writers or any of that, we've got that. We're in the middle of rolling out a giant comprehensive social media management course. And we're going to continue to roll these out over the next year. We've got, you know, affiliate marketing, email marketing, that sort of thing. We're trying to just get the whole, you know, base of knowledge that we have of like, here's how you make money on the internet. And so that people, if you don't have the skills, you can start there, learn the skill and then move on. Because I think the other thing is, is that so many people are wasting so much time and money in college. I have a degree in marketing and it is useless. I make my money completely in digital marketing and there's not one, I kid you not, there is not one thing that I learned with my marketing degree that I use at all ever. And the reality is, is because if you're going to be making money in a, if you're doing ad buying and that sort of thing in a more traditional, like maybe Mad Men sort of situation, sure, go get that marketing degree. But if you're trying to make money on the internet, the reality is, is that things like SEO and social media management, the best practices, it is like a constant day to day thing where we're keeping ourselves up to date. And the way that the whole, you know, academia thing works is that by the time something has been around long enough and studied enough that it trickles down to the point that it's in a curriculum, that's completely no longer valid anymore. So a lot of these marketing programs, even though they give them like, like I had this, my degree is in integrated marketing communications, which is supposed to imply some sort of digital expertise. But the truth is, is that none of the things that I would actually use to make money on the internet right now, they don't even touch it. They don't touch SEO. They don't touch social media management. They don't touch any of that. You know, like the bread and butter of the industry. And so I think there's so many, you know, I'm 50K in debt because of that. And for what, you know, and so we're trying to like really make this really accessible. None of these are priced more than just a couple of hundred dollars because we know people are just getting started out. We're really trying to like arm people with the knowledge and the skills that they need to make this happen for themselves. Because our goal is like, like we always say, like, get out here. You know what I mean? Get like, out here. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it is. It is. 
But no, that's great because that I think is one of the biggest hurdles for people, even if they do want to live this kind of lifestyle, like, oh, how do I do it? How do I translate like where I'm at now to that if I don't know how to make money from the internet? Right. You know, so that's so great. And I have the same feelings about college and stuff too. Like I'm a college dropout, but all of the skills that I've used to make money weren't ones that I learned in college. Mm-hmm. Right. And certifications are great. Taking courses and like online stuff, online courses are way uh, more affordable. Yes. A lot of times. I mean, like you save time and you're learning valuable skills because yeah, by the end of a four-year degree maybe in marketing or advertising like how much of that is actually relevant and it's going to be changing from day to day yeah and i wanted to go into also we're going to be wrapping this up pretty soon because you ladies are super busy uh, <laughs> i'm just doing the freelance uh nomad thing but you guys are running a business so it's like a totally different it's totally different there's benefits for for both but uh, i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about one of your affiliate programs that better help uh, it was just like a therapy, basically helping connect people with like online therapists, which is something that I've been interested in for a while. Like I'm a big proponent of like, hey, like everyone could probably use a little assistance, like a little bit of help yes. to talk to that's like a neutral third party. And there's this huge hindrance to, you know, finding a therapist and going somewhere. Again, the same problem with mm-hmm. working at a traditional right. job. Like, okay, maybe I need help in this certain area of my life. But, like, it takes all this time to, like, find someone and meet the right person and then go to their office. And it's also very expensive, too, and all of that. So how did you guys come across that opportunity and, like... Well, we needed it. Well, we did. We did. (laughs) And and I was like, well, I don't have a therapist anymore because I'm not... I'm not going to be able to go into that office. And I I Googled internet therapist just because I'm like, sure, some of that exists, right? Mm -hmm. And I stumbled upon betterhelp.com. I got myself an internet therapist and it was so easy. You can click all these boxes with what you're struggling with. Do you want a religious therapist? Do you prefer non-religion? Like how much LGBT experience do do they need to have uh, or do you want them to have? And so you can kind of optimize based on what exactly you're looking for in a therapist and then BetterHelp matches you up with a therapist. If you don't like that therapist for whatever reason, you can play what I call therapist roulette and it'll match you up with somebody else. But then you don't have to type out or you don't have to like explain your situation all over again because you can transfer the files of your conversations to the new therapist. Also, uh, there's an option to Skype with your therapist with video. I, I'm not big on video. I avoid it whenever possible. So I, I chat with her, but I can chat with her every day. Mm-hmm. And Kelly and I just have been so helped, <laughs> you know? It's been very beneficial for us to have internet therapists. Yeah, and something that we, you know, we deal, the reason we talk about this on our podcast and promote it in our Facebook groups and all of that is because the thing that we saw with ourselves and that we consistently see with the people that we, you know, coach and, you know, we sell training programs to and just that reach out to us with questions is that this process of untethering your life is like a complete reboot. It is really kind of rebuilding yourself from the ground up. And it's an extraordinarily profound and powerful experience. And it's a wonderful one, but also it is, you know, we always say self-improvement isn't for pussies. No. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes you really, you really need some support. And it's helped me so much to have the accountability from somebody that's kind of an impartial third party and just the support through all of it because it has been a total transformation. Actually, like I, in the last year, I've lost over 100 pounds 
also <laughs> while doing all of this. Like the way that your life transforms when you open yourself up in this way and you start living this way is crazy. And having some support on the back end to process through all of that and like, you know, work through it is so, so needed because making this leap is, is hard, but it's great. It is. So we actually love our internet therapist so much that we developed an affiliate relationship. So if you go to, or your listeners go to betterhelp.com slash workationing, that's betterhelp.com slash workationing, <laughs> you too can get an internet therapist and uh, they'll give you seven days for free to check it out. So like you can get a lot of therapy in seven days when you're able to talk to your therapist every day. Right. And that you can communicate in like text-based mm-hmm. instead of in person, you know, right. that's more comfortable for people. I prefer I it. a lot of people like I, the most of the way I communicate is through, you know, writing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I like being in person with someone or, but like, I don't do maybe as well on like a, a video chat with a therapist or something. Mm-hmm. They're like, whatever. So there's like options for people. So yeah, everyone check it out. Where else can people find the podcast, different Facebook groups that people can join for more information about this? Yeah. So you can check us out. We've got workationing.com. You can also check out the Workationing podcast. We're on iTunes. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, really anywhere. <laughs> you can find us there. And then also we've been doing, we've been having some really exciting things happen over in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash workationing. And in there we give tons of advice, tips and tricks on how to become a digital nomad. People come in and ask questions, everything from how do you tell if your Airbnb is in a safe place to, you know, I need to develop a skill and I don't know what I should choose, you know, that sort of thing. So we're constantly in there giving support and that group has been growing like wildfire and we're so excited about the community that's being developed there. So if this is something that you're just maybe just hearing about or that you've been aspiring to for a while, that's a really, a really good place to go and get started. Anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. I, and I love how thorough you guys are too. Like you really just put so much, you know, well-researched stuff out there and so many great resources. The podcast is hilarious. Oh, thank like, you. <laughs> it's not just all about digital stuff. It's about like so much more than that. So I, I really encourage everyone to check it out, you know, subscribe to them, you know, on, I guess like iTunes, yeah. mm-hmm. everywhere. Any final words? No, I guess I would just like to say that like I have known you through the internet for a while. Yeah, but this is the first the but this is the first time we got to meet. We've gotten to spend a few days together and I'm just like I've always admired your work and admired Aww. you and it's been like you have exceeded all of my expectations and I'm just Aww. glad to have you in our international girl squad and it's an honor to be on your podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys. It like you two have been such an inspiration to me for so long and I'm so glad you joined me. So, and I hope to have you back soon. I really want to come back to Amsterdam or maybe somewhere else. In yeah, let's Absolutely. go somewhere weird. Let's go somewhere weird. Let's yeah. go somewhere weird. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll hear from us ladies again from someplace, someplace else weird in the world. Yes. So, uh, and if you like what you hear from me on Iconosass, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I'm also on Patreon and you get to hear secret episodes on Patreon if you give me Three dollars a month. Or that sounds more. like a deal. It's a total deal. I think deal. you should be popping a hundred dollar 
on that. Well, you get <laughs> even more if you're giving me a hundred dollars. So check that out, Patreon.com/slash/MKLords. That's where I also have all of my other weird stuff too. That's not just the podcast. So check that out, ladies. Thanks again. Thank it's you. Been an absolute pleasure.